All right, well, we want to welcome you back to our series we've been doing called Canyons, Finding God in the Dark Nights of the Soul. And for the last several weeks, uh, we've been exploring uh, some of David's journey in the Psalms and just some of the dark nights that David faced. Uh, we talked about uh, disappointment and how we find God in the times of disappointment. We talked about loneliness and when God is near in the times when we're alone. We talked about uh, finding God in those times when we um, are uh, depressed and despondent. Uh, last week, Pastor Will talked about uh, drawing near to God in our times of shame. And today I want to talk about one that um, is, is one that we all have in common, at least uh, somewhere along the way. And that is this dark night of the soul when we are grieving. Now, I know that during this time, um, we're all grieving to uh, some degree. Um, some of us are, are grieving just the changes we've been forced into. Uh, some of us are grieving the jobs that we can't go to. Some of us are grieving the people that we're not allowed to, to be around. Uh, some of us, I know, are, are dealing with some of the losses that this virus has, has put upon us. And, and, and that's, uh, that's a dark night, and that's a, just a dark time that we go through. Um, but also, some of us have, have gone through the, the dark night of grieving because we've lost someone uh, who is close to us. Um, and how do we hold on to God in those times? And, and that's what we want to we want to talk about today. I want to look at a scripture uh, in Psalm 31, and uh, just listen to the heart cry of David. And I know that you can relate at some point on your journey. You can relate to to what David says here. Here's what he says in Psalm 31, verses nine and ten. He says, "Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in distress." Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. You know, a lot of times when I've come alongside of people who are in those really dark times of grief, that's exactly what they say. They say, I feel, I feel like I'm dying. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Well, let's, let's just talk about this together. Let me open up this morning. Let me talk about just, uh, I kind of sat back and, and I first of all just want to make some observations uh, about grief uh, that I think might be helpful for you. Are you ready? Uh, if you got the app, you can track along with the notes or on the website. We're going we're gonna to throw these at you uh, pretty quick. You ready? Here we go. First one is everybody grieves, though we all grieve differently. Um, the fact of the matter is, you know, it's, it's interesting how uh, when you look at grieving, we don't all do it the same. Um, for some of us, we're loud and demonstrative. Uh, others of us kind of grieve more quietly. With some of us, when we grieve, there are lots of tears. With some of us, there aren't as many tears. And sometimes uh, that can be a little bit of a problem, particularly in, in the loss of someone in our families, because when we look at other family members and they're not grieving like us, sometimes we can feel like they're not really grieving, but they are. Um, and we just need to understand we all do it differently. Or sometimes we feel guilty because maybe we're not feeling the depth of sadness as, as deep or we're not expressing it as much. And sometimes we may feel guilty about that. And you need just to give yourself permission. As long as you are allowing yourself to grieve, it's okay. Because we do all do it differently. Um, 
another, that kind of ties me to the second one, is that, you know, grieving really is a gift from God. I, I know we don't think of it that way, because uh, none of us really like to grieve, but grief is, is God's gift that he's given to us to be able to get the hurt out. You know, when you don't let yourself grieve and you swallow that emotion, it doesn't go away. In fact, if you try to contain that grief long enough, what you're going to find is one of a couple of things. Either that grief is going to turn to anger, and you're going to find yourself kind of snapping at people and being short to people all the time, and you're going to become a little, be, start becoming more and more bitter, or you're going to start becoming depressed. And grief is God's gift to us to be able to take that hurt that's on the inside and be able to let it out. God understands our grieving. God understands our grieving. You know, I think um, one of the most insightful scriptures uh, is John eleven thirty five, and it's the shortest verse of scripture in the Bible. And it's what Jesus wept. And you know, when you when you read that, one of the things you begin to understand is, you know what? When when I'm grieving, when I'm going through a hard time like that, God gets that. God understands. Jesus was at a funeral of a friend. And as he met with the sisters, as he saw their sadness, you know what? He became sad with them. And so I want you to understand today, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, as you're grieving, God, God gets you. He understands completely what you are going through. Grieving is not a lack of faith or belief. Grieving is not a lack of faith or belief. You know, when I was, again, when I was making these notes and I processed that whole thing about God understanding our grief, I thought about the fact of Jesus grieving and I thought, well, you know, Jesus knew, he, I mean, he believed in heaven. Uh, Jesus believed that, you know, that, that Lazarus was in a good place. In fact, Jesus even knew that he was going to bring him back from the dead. But despite all of those things that he, he believed, he still grieved. And, and I, and I want to release you for that because sometimes I think we, we feel like, you know, if I'm, if I'm really sad, if I'm, if I'm really grieving something that, that I've lost, that somehow that's not, I'm not trusting God or, or, or I'm not really believing in God. And I want to just set you free and say, no, 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 don't, don't feel that way at all. It's not a lack of faith. It's not a lack of belief. It is a gift from God that is a human emotion that God has given to us. Jesus himself did it. And you know what? Jesus was the greatest theologian that ever lived. And so we should be able to do that too. Let me give you one, one last observation that I hope really encourages you. God is with us as we grieve. God is with us as we grieve. You know, I know some of you are scared, and I know some of you are uh, grieving a lot of the things that you're going through right now. Um, I know some of you are grieving the future because you're uncertain about what it's going to hold and what's going to happen. Um, but I want you to know today, even if you are a single person and, and live in a household by yourself, you need to know this. You're not alone. I, I love how David framed this for us uh, in the Psalms, in Psalm 23, and I, I love how it is from the, the Living Bible translation. He says, even when walking through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me, guarding, guiding all the way. No matter who you are 
what you're going through, what you're experiencing. I know, I know there are moments when you're grieving deeply that it feels like God is a million miles away. But here's what you need to know. It only feels that way. Psalm 34 reminds us that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he really is close to you today. And I hope that you can hold on to that. So what do we do with this gift from God? What, what do we do? If, gift, if grief really is a gift from God, how do, how do we navigate through it? And how do we kind of wrap our arms around it and, and really maximize it? Well, again, I tried to think about how do, we, how do we make grief good grief, okay? How do we make grief good grief? Well, let me, let me give you some thoughts this morning. Here's the first one. Don't grieve alone. Don't grieve alone. Now, I know we've come back to this thought again and again throughout this uh, Canyon series. Um, don't isolate. Don't, don't go off by yourself. Don't, don't be alone. And, and I can't begin to tell you how, how important it is because even though we, we know uh, in our heads we all need each other, in, in the times of the dark nights of the soul, in the times when we find ourselves in those canyons, in, in times when we start finding ourselves overwhelmed by these things around, that's when we really do need each other the most. For, for our online audience, I'll remind you again, Go back to, to Genesis chapter 2 and when, when the Bible tells us when God created us, he said it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. And even in this time right now, um, as you're going through this, uh, as we're having to live in our own households, households and keep the social distancing thing, this is where I hope that you will you know, pick up your phone and make some phone calls, get on FaceTime, do some, do some group chats, do some things that make you feel connected to other people. Because I promise you, the moment you begin to feel isolated is the moment that despair will set in. Now, I want to I push on this thought just a little bit because I know that there are some of us that when we're grieving, um, it's easy for us maybe to help someone else, but it's not e easy for us to let someone help us. Um, Romans 12, 15, uh, one of the verses I thought of, Paul said, rejoice with those who rejoice and then do what? Mourn with those who mourn. That's the instruction that Paul gave the church. And again, you know, some of us, we don't mind mourning with those who mourn, but you know, it's, it's a little bit harder for us to let other people in. And here's what I would say to you who struggle with that. Remember the words of Jesus where he said, do unto others what you want them to do to you. And so, in other words, if, if you really want people to let you in when they're hurting, and I know most of you do, most of you think, man, if my, if my good friend or someone that I know is going through a hard time, I hope that they would reach out to me. I, I hope that they would know they wouldn't have to bear that alone. Well, what I would say to you is, you know what, if you want other people to do that for you, don't, don't do that to them. When you're hurting, let them in. Let them pray for you. Let them comfort you. Let them give you some words of assurance. I know it may feel awkward. I know it may feel humbling. But can we agree together? Humility is not necessarily a bad thing. We really do need God, and we really do need each other. Um, don't grieve alone. Um, yeah, you know, this this last week, um, in trying to respond to all of this, our our staff made a lot of calls to the members of our church and. 
uh, just trying to check in on them, just trying to uh, ask them how they were doing and, and uh, just to let them know we were here to pray with them, find out if there was anything that they need, remind them that we were going online, all of that kind of stuff. And there's so many great stories that have come back to us, the people that we talk to, and just some of the ways that God is working. But uh, Rachel shared one with me that I, I just thought, this is just such a, a, a great picture of what it means to be the church. Um, Rachel was talking to, to one of our senior adults and, and asking them, um, how can we pray for you? Is there anything you need? And then this, this senior adult responded when they asked her if there's anything that you need. They said, well, um, you know what? I'm, I'm running low on toilet paper, which I don't, I don't really understand this thing that everybody's buying up all the toilet paper. I, I, don't, I don't know what that's all about. Uh, <coughs> but it really is kind of, uh, kind of wild. But she said, you know, I'm running low on toilet paper, but I'm afraid, I'm afraid to get out. And so Rachel said, you know what, um, let us help you with that. We'll, you know, I'll, I'll make some calls, we'll make some arrangements, and, and we'll get something to you. And, um, and it was just a short bit later after she hung up the call, before Rachel could do anything with that at all, the senior adult called back, called Rachel back and said, you know what, never mind, God sent two angels to my home. And here, uh, a couple from our church somehow heard about this need that she had uh, before we ever even mentioned anything and took toilet paper to the senior adult. Now look at me. Look straight in my eyes for a second. That's what it means to be the church. That's what it means to be the family of God. Um, I love how Paul said it in Galatians 6 verse 2. He said, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Some of us, when we're thinking about helping someone who is grieving, particularly if they've, if they've lost a spouse or lost a child or lost a parent, some of us feel a little bit awkward, and I'll have people that will say this to me all the time. They'll say, Pastor, I, you know, I want to be able to be there for them, but, but I, I, I don't know what to say. Look at me. You don't have to know what to say. It's not your words that people need when they're really grieving. More than anything else, it really is your presence. Um, it may be simple that during times like this of simply calling someone and just say, I just want you to know I'm here for you. If you need someone to talk to, I don't have any words of wisdom, but I'm here to listen. You know, one of the great, greatest pictures I think of, of seeing that carried out was in Job when yeah, Job lost everything. He lost the family. He lost his crops. He lost his health. And, and he was just in a huge pit of despair. And, and in Job chapter 2, it says, when Job's three friends, three of Job's friends, heard of the tragedy that he had suffered, they got together and they traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Now listen to this. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. And no one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. They saw that his suffering was too great for words. And can I say something? Everybody's suffering is too great for words. Uh, just be there for them. Share it together. Don't grieve alone. Let me give you a, a second uh, thought about grief, and this is going to push on some of us just a little bit, but when I was, um, when I was working on this message and I was thinking about um, journeying 
with people uh, through this time of grief, um, there was something I thought of, and I thought, you know what, I just need to give you permission for something, and, and, and here it is. Letting go of the grieving is not letting go of the person. Let me say it again. Letting go of the grieving is not letting go of the person. You know, sometimes um, when we've, particularly when we've lost someone close to us, um, the early days of our grief are just saturated with sorrow. And we wake up every day and, and we sob every day. But as time goes on, um, the sorrow begins to lessen a bit. But here's the deal. Sometimes when we feel the sorrow lessening and, and we find ourselves maybe not crying over everything that we used to cry over, we feel guilty about that. We feel that somehow I'm cheating. Somehow I'm not honoring them. Somehow I'm not staying true to their memory. And I, I want you to get this. It's not true. I love when, when, when Paul wrote to the, um, to the Corinthian church, he, he said this. He said, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts. And when you lose someone close to you, um, the, the sorrow will lessen over time or it should lessen over time. And, and your grief should, be, you should begin to turn and, and your joy should begin to come back. But that, that doesn't mean that you're losing hold of them. That doesn't mean you're not honoring them. That doesn't mean you're not staying true to them. They are written on your hearts and you will never forget them. And you will be, they will be with you always. And for some of you who have gone through losses like that, uh, some of you have done some things that I just think are so remarkable so that you can continually and intentionally keep hold of your memory of them that you want to hold on to while you let yourself go on with life. I've had this conversation with so many people, particularly who have, who have lost a spouse or, or, or lost someone near to them. I, I will often say to them, what would they want for you? And without a, without a doubt, across the board, they all say the same thing. They would want me to go on living. They would, want me to, they would want me to enjoy what life I have left. For sure they would. It's okay to let go of the sorrow. It's okay to let go of the pain. But you can do that and still not let go of that person who's close to you. Um, you know, uh, coming up here in just uh, a few weeks, we're going to be remembering uh, the bombing of uh, the Murrah building here in Oklahoma City. It'll be the 25, uh, 25th year anniversary, believe it or not, on, on April 19th. That just doesn't seem possible, but it is. And, and when that happened um, for us as a church, um, we lost a, a young lady, a 27-year-old named Jill Randolph, who um, was very precious to us. Jill was a, a beautiful young lady who loved God, loved people. She was just such a delight to be around uh, her family were our first babysitters for our, our oldest son, Ben. And, um, you know, when that all happened and we lost Jill, uh, there were some, some of us who are close to Jill that really felt the sting of that, you know, so deeply. And now it's 25 years later, and it's hard to believe that almost as much time has passed as Jill has been alive, which is, which is crazy to think about. You know, one of, the, one of the people, one of the young adults in our church who was really close to Jill uh, is Cindy Borden. And uh, Cindy and Jill were, were good friends. Um, they uh, had some commonalities that, that they shared and, and did a lot of stuff together. And um, Cindy particularly uh, really has grieved the loss of Jill deeply. 
But one of the things that Cindy has done uh, through the years that I just think it is so cool um, is that three times a year, um, Cindy goes back out to the Oklahoma City Memorial and where they have the chairs that, um, for, for each of the people who are lost in the bombing. And on Jill's birthday and on um, Memorial Day and on the anniversary of the bombing, uh, Cindy goes out and with flowers or some kind of memorial and uh, spends a few moments by the chair remembering Jill. And uh, when Cindy was telling me about this, I thought, you know, uh, Cindy is a great example of an individual who she still feels the loss of Jill deeply. And in those moments when she's by the chair and she remembers, you know, tears will still come back to her life. But, but Cindy has gone on with life as Jill would want her to, but Cindy has found ways to intentionally hold on to the individual, to hold on to Jill while she's let herself let go of the grieving. And I hope that you will be able to do the same. Another thought I would give you today is this one. You can't, you can't prevent the grief, but you can prevent the regret. You can't prevent the grief, but you can help prevent the regret. Um, we're talking about the Psalms and with David grieving, and I want you to look at um, one of Dave, the moments of David's grief that he had in Second Samuel chapter eighteen, verse thirty-three. Um, this is when Absalom, who was David's son, uh, was killed, and I want you to look at at how David responded. It says the king was overcome with emotion. Uh, he went up to the room over the gateway and he burst into tears, and as he went. He cried, oh my, oh, oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Now, every father would grieve the loss of a son, and every one of us would feel that intently, but the behind-the-scenes story in David and Absalom is the fact that they were at odds with each other. And when Absalom was killed, he was actually killed in a, in a time of rebelling against his father and trying to take over the kingdom. So what David is grieving is, is not just the loss of Absalom and the death of Absalom. He's also grieving the regret that he has that things weren't right with Absalom. Now, I, I know that we can only fix things with people uh, to the degree that it relies upon us. I, I know that sometimes when uh, we have, uh, are, are at odds with people or there are things between us, I know that, that for sometimes we can't do anything about it. We try to reach out and, want, and, and that's again, some, sometimes they just, they just don't want to do that and that's okay. But to the best of our ability, we need to do that. We need to make those things right. Because sometimes when we deal, deal with grief, I've walked with a lot of people again and sometimes the, the What's so much worse than the grief that they're experiencing is the regret that they have that things aren't where they ought to be. Um, I did a funeral um, uh, several years back and uh, for a, a, a lady uh, who had passed away. And I'll never forget uh, after the funeral, uh, being back with the family and, and having lunch together, um, I knew the family well and, and um, this gal's brother came up to me and uh, we were talking, and we were kind of by ourselves, and, and he said, you know, Steve, he said, as hard as this is, he said, I, I want you to know how good my heart feels today. He said, my sister and I were at odds for a number of years. Um, for a number of years, we were speaking. There was just this animosity between us, 
And he said, um, a year ago, he said, we decided we need to reconcile things. And he said, so we made peace with one another and we began to reconnect and we began to, to, to draw close to one another again. And he said, you know, today is a really hard day. He said, but can I tell you how much better I feel knowing that I made things right with her? I think you get that. You know, as hard as grief is, um, it doesn't even compare to when you're grieving with regret. And I don't know uh, how that may fit for you. I, I don't know who may be in your life that you are at odds with today. But can I just suggest to you, uh, one of the things that these moments in time, like this coronavirus thing, uh, teach us is life is way too short uh, to keep accounts with people. And we have no idea how long we have on this earth. And, and so can I just push on you a little bit while you have this time where you're going to have to be at home and you're going to have to be by yourself? Uh, can I just push on you just a little bit? If there is someone in your life uh, that you have some hurt or some scar tissue with, if there is someone there, particularly people who are close to you, can I just push on you and say, can you humble yourself? Can you make that call? Can you reach out to them and say, you know what, I, it doesn't matter what started all of this, but can, can we just get to a good place? Um, I just want to encourage you, don't let someone slip from your life without making things right with them. You can't help grieving. You're always going to grieve. But to the best of your ability, you can help prevent sometimes the regret. Let me give you one last thought this morning. As your heart is battered by grief, keep your soul anchored in hope. As your heart is battered by grief, keep your soul anchored in hope. Um, I read a, an interesting story this last week. Um, let's throw that picture up on there for me, would you? That picture you're looking at is... Uh, a place in Maine. It's called Flagstaff, actually. Flagstaff, Maine. It was uh, a town uh, that was founded, oh, back in the uh, early 1800s. And a uh, cute little town up, up in Maine. Uh, but in the, around 1930, the, as, the, as the population was growing, they recognized the need to have um, more power, more electric power to the area. And so they needed to create a dam, and as they were doing it, this is a, a junction where the Dead River and another river meet, they decided that this would be the best place, and so they decided they were going to flood this area, and um, there were this town and another town called Dead River that they were actually, they started buying up the property and trying to buy up around it and trying to force homeowners to, to surrender their property so they could flood this area and create a dam. Throw that next picture up. You can see that uh, as they began... As they began to release the waters and, and as it began to flood, there were homes that were still uh, up in the area that in, eventually just the water knocked them down or they just became completely submerged. Um, throw that next picture up. And then now you can see what it looks like today is that the, there's no, actually no visual memory of, of, that, of that city uh, anywhere there. The interesting thing in the story as I was reading it was what happened to the people after they were told that they were going to have to surrender this property. They said that months before the people ever moved out, months before the property was finally surrendered, months before the flooding ever began, people just gave up. 
People stopped working on their homes. Businesses stopped fixing up their businesses. They said it was like people just decided, well, if they're going to flood this area, I might as well not do anything for about anything. And they said how sad it was to watch all of these people who had taken such pride in these, in these places that they had just totally let them go over the months leading up to when this place was flooded. And here's the point. When people lose hope in the future, they lose power in the present. And for us, we don't grieve like the rest of the world. Whether it's with this coronavirus or whether it's with the loss of someone that we love, our hope is anchored in something that goes beyond this life. Um, I, I love what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He said, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised back to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. When you lose someone, if they know the Lord, you know what? I put this in, in, in my notes. It said, you know what? With fellow believers, there are no goodbyes. There are only see you laters. No goodbyes. Only see you laters. We don't grieve like the rest of the world. We grieve with hope. You know what we believe today? We believe that beyond their, this life, there is an eternal life in heaven with Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't know about you today, but I go back to what Paul, what we started earlier in the service. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. And I'm convinced that God is bigger than, than life or death or bigger than this coronavirus. I believe that today that no matter what we are going through, we can hold on to the hope that God gives us. And I want you to hold on. To that hope today. I'm going to ask worship, the, the worship team to go ahead and, and come on back up. And, and I've asked Rachel to, to lead us this morning in a song that will give us just a moment to surrender our hearts and our minds to God. And I have no idea this morning how you may be grieving. I have no idea what you may be going through or what losses you may be experiencing. But this morning, I want to offer you this. Wherever you are, I want you to take those sorrows that you have. I want you to take that grief that you have. And I just want you to surrender it to our Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, as you lay that grief upon him, I want you to picture him stretching down his hand and laying it upon you. Let this be your moment this morning. As you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Let's pray. Our fathers, we come before you today. We, we do surrender to you all our fear, all our grief. Uh, we surrender to you, Lord, all of the hurts and the pains that we've been carrying inside. Father, forgive us for trying so hard sometimes to bear this stuff all by ourselves. You never intended for us to. Your intention from the beginning of time 
was that we would learn the art of leaning upon one another and leaning upon you. Father, you know the grief that uh, our people are carrying today. You know this morning the, those who are watching what's going on in their heart and their life. And you know exactly what they are laying today at your feet. And so this morning, Father, I pray right now that you would lay your hand of healing upon them. I pray you would lay your hand of comfort upon them. I pray, Father, that where there has been anxiousness, that there would be peace. That where there has been um, sorrow, that you would begin to breathe in um, happiness and joy. Lord Jesus, I remember your words in John 16 when you, you told your disciples before you left. You said, you know, you're going to grieve for a little while. But your grief will turn to joy. And that's the hope we hold on to today, God. That we don't grieve like the rest of the world. Yes, this world may knock us down. Yes, life may come hard at us. But we believe in you that there is victory. We believe in you that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord. And we hold on to that hope today. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you walk with us. Even through the valley of the shadow of death. And we don't have to be afraid. We love you. In your precious name we pray. And we all said together, amen. Amen.